And uh, as you are standing, if you have a Bible, to open it to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. And um, as uh, we would be looking at that, the children would be dismissed during uh, this time. Uh, children from kindergarten through sixth grade dismissed with Miss Steph and Miss Rachel downstairs uh, to the fellowship hall. Parents, after uh, the service, you can head down the stairs to the end of the hall and pick up your kids there in children's church. So children from kindergarten through sixth grade. But as you are standing, just in honor of the word of God, uh, read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. It says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word, and you all may be seated at this time. So today, baby's heavy. Today we start a new series, a series entitled The Church. Uh, oftentimes we can think about uh, the church and think about it as an organization or uh, places with steeples or uh, places where people gather on Sunday, but really the church is God's creation with Jesus Christ as its foundation and head, and the church is people who have been cleansed and forgiven by the blood of Jesus and are on mission in this world so that others might come to know the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Uh, this summer, one of our elders, Brad Steigerwalt, talked about uh, Jesus' high view of the church. Just finished a series on a, lifting up our low view of God to a high view of God, and he talked about how Jesus has a very high view of his church. And so today, with, with that and appreciating that message and the love that Jesus has, and so the love that we should have for the church, we want to look over the next weeks at what the church really is all about. So, the Jews, we want to talk today about the cornerstone. Uh, the Jewish people had a legend that was based on a, st a statement by uh, the writer of the Psalms, Psalm 118.22, that is in this passage that we looked at, uh, which says, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or the cornerstone. And according to that legend, when the temple of King Solomon was being built, uh, the stonemason sent up from the rock quarry below a stone that was different in size and in shape from all the rest that they had sent up. And so looking at it, the builders said to one another, there's no place for this stone. There's got to be some kind of mistake. So they rolled it to the edge of the cliff and down into the Kidron Valley below the temple area. And as time went on, because it took seven years for the temple to be built, there came a point in the building where it was time for the chief cornerstone to be placed. 
And when they asked for it, they were told, well, we sent that up to you a long time ago. And one of the workmen said, oh, I recall that stone now. There was a stone that was altogether different from all the rest. And we thought there was no place for it. And we rolled it back down the valley below. So men were sent down into the valley to find that stone. They found it. They brought it back up. And it was fit and placed perfectly as the cornerstone of the temple. The idea of a cornerstone is maybe not something that we are altogether familiar with because cornerstones were the major structural part of ancient buildings. We still have them in place today, but uh, with steel and all these different kinds of things, I'm not a building expert, but it may not be as significant today. But imagine, I like to play with blocks still. Imagine you have a stone, and this stone is the cornerstone. It has to be the most perfect, fitted in place, directional, because everything about the stone, in its solid nature, in the direction in which it is pointed, in the way it is oriented to everything else, this stone will set the direction for the rest of the building. If you get this stone right, you get the building right. So if it is fitted perfectly together, the builders are going to be able to build a strong and significant structure. If it is off, well, now they're going to have time and trouble over time. So when you start to get things like arches into it, if you don't have a good, solid foundation and a cornerstone, something like that is not going to be able to stand. So imagine if over time, if you did not do this correctly and you had that cornerstone off just a little bit, now the rest of the stones begin to be put into place and before you know it, though it may be off just a little bit at first, over time, we are going to have issues to when we put this on, it's not going to be able to stand. The higher it goes, the less the strength of the structure. And so the cornerstone becomes the most important part of the building because I don't know about you, but I don't want a building that's going to be ending like that. I want a building that is going to be, I want to be in a building that is strong, that has a good foundation, that is going to be built up. And so the Bible, when it talks about Jesus as the cornerstone, talks about him as the one that we all find our foundation in, that we all are built upon, that we all orient ourselves to, that if we are not built individually, our own lives, and as a church, if we are not built on the person of Jesus Christ and upon his truth, we will eventually crumble. So we build, and we want to be people who build on Jesus. We want to be people who build on Jesus, not on rules, not on regulations, not on methods, not on programs, not on morality, not on politics, not even on really good human beings. We want to be people who build upon Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. If you're a note taker in the bulletins that you 
may have gotten this morning, there are a few fill-ins, and there'll be more on the screen if you want to write some things down. But we want to look this morning at this passage before we would come to celebrate communion together. And the first thing that we want to look at this morning is we want to come to know that Jesus is the church's cornerstone. Know that Jesus is the church's cornerstone. There are several characteristics that we see in this passage of Jesus as the church's cornerstone. In verse 4, we are told that he is the living stone. Jesus is the living stone. Peter is the writer, the apostle Peter, the one that he was all fiery, the one who wanted to go to war with everyone, the one who wanted to, he's the, he's the guy while everyone else is in a boat on the storm and Jesus walks out. He's the one that says, I want to go walk on water like Jesus is. He doesn't do perfectly. He does fall down and sink because he took his eyes off of Jesus. But we want to be people, Peter shows us what it looks like for Jesus to be the central one. And so Jesus, uh, Peter says, is the living stone. He says this for two reasons, I believe. First, he wants us to know that Jesus as the cornerstone is not a literal stone. Because a literal stone is not a living thing. Science tells us that living things grow, they move, they eat, or they reproduce. And stones do not grow, stones do not move, unless they are moved. Stones do not eat and stones do not reproduce. Is not a living thing. So Peter just wants to make this very clear, that this stone is not a physical stone. It is a living stone. The second thing he wants us to know, because it is Jesus, is that this stone is alive. Jesus was dead, but he is alive today. He has been resurrected We'll celebrate communion in a few moments where we recognize and we remember the death of Christ, the blood of Christ shed for us. But we celebrate that our Savior is not in the grave anymore. He was dead, but now he is alive and he lives forevermore. He lives forevermore. The cornerstone, Jesus, has conquered the grave. He has conquered death. He is the living stone. Second characteristic Jesus, as the church's cornerstone, Jesus was rejected by men. We're told in verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men. But also in verse 7, it says, Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Jesus says that Jesus, Peter says that Jesus was rejected by men. This is a quote from Psalm 118, verses 22 to 23. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done it, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus, the head, the cornerstone, was rejected by men. If you would leave your finger just for a moment in 1 Peter chapter 3 and go to the book of Mark, to Mark chapter 12. If you find the book of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament, and then take a few pages back, you'll find Mark, Mark chapter 12. And I want to read a parable that Jesus tells in Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12, because I want to see that this is not just Peter's idea. This is Jesus himself saying, this is who I am. I am the cornerstone. I am the one rejected by men. He tells this parable. Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. He then began to speak to them in parables. This is Jesus. And he says, A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it 
dug a pit for the wine press, and built a, t- a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to him. They struck this man on the head, treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat. Others they killed. He had one left to send, a son, whom he loved. And he sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then they looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them, but they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. In this parable, God plants a vineyard, and the vineyard is representative of the nation of Israel, but they did not treat him well. They did not follow his ways. They did not live in dependence. They lived in dependence upon themselves. And God sent prophets to them over and over to tell them, you are not going in my ways. You are not living according to my ways. Stop and come back to me. I'm the one who planted you. I'm the one who made you who you are. Come back to me. And they would kill the prophets. They would mistreat the prophets. And Jesus says, ultimately, God, the Father, sends his son. And instead of listening to the son, they kill him. Jesus tells this parable, and they understood that it was, they was them, the religious leaders, that he was speaking against. He tells this parable to let them know that he is the cornerstone. He is the one prophesied, and they have rejected him. Jesus is the church's cornerstone, the living stone, the one rejected by men. Lastly, he is chosen by and he is precious to God. Verses four to six tells us this, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him. Verse six says also, see, in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. Isaiah chapter 26, or 28 verse 16 is what this is quoted from now. Uh, So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. Peter uses this scripture and says, this is Jesus, the one who is the precious and the one who is the chosen cornerstone. Jesus is the chosen cornerstone cornerstone. Chosen in the sense of tested. Isaiah 28 said that, a tested stone. The cornerstone was searched for. The cornerstone was rigorously evaluated to make sure that it was suitable, to make sure that it was going to be strong, to make sure it had no weaknesses in it. And then it was perfectly level and smooth. It would be chipped down. It would be smoothed out. There could be no imperfections. There could be no unevenness. It had to be perfect or it would compromise the integrity and the strength 
of the entire structure. Jesus is the tested and chosen one of God. He is perfect in all of his ways. There is no fault in him. He's also the precious cornerstone. Now, we have relatives that live in the South, and when they say precious, it's not really a good thing. When you do something that's not too smart, oh, aren't you just precious? You get, the, you get it a little bit. There, it, it's not a compliment. That person's just precious. They're not too bright. This is not the context. This is also not precious in the sense of look at that little child, how precious they are, how sweet and cuddly they are. It is precious in the sense of valuable, like a precious metal, such as gold or silver or platinum. Things that are rare and naturally occurring in nature. Jesus is the most precious the most valuable one in all of creation. He is the one of such significant value that he's the one worth building all of the foundation of the church upon. He's that precious. He's that tested. He is able to be built upon. Remember back to Psalm 118. All of this the Lord has done. The Lord has chosen him. He is the living stone. Though rejected by men, he is chosen and tested by God and he is precious to God the Father. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. He is the one that we honor and he is the one that we build upon. So in light of this, We need to decide. We need to decide both individually and as a church family how we are going to come to Jesus. Verse four says, as you come, as you come to him. I think there's a reality in this that sometimes we we may miss. That whether we choose to come to Jesus or not, we are coming to Jesus. We're coming to him because there is decision for all of us. How will we come to this one Jesus? And so coming here today is such an amazing step for every single person. Those who are, are, are watching on Facebook now or through the week, it is a decision. You are coming. It's a step towards Jesus. And so we want to decide because all of us are going to come to Jesus. How will we come to him? We see in this passage, I believe, two ways that we will come to him. The first way is rejecting, not believing, stumbling, falling. Rejecting, not believing, stumbling, falling. Again, those the, bil- those the builders rejected, he the builders rejected, There are those who reject Jesus. They don't say he's the cornerstone. They say he's just a good teacher. They say he's just one of many religious leaders all around the world. And there is a rejection of him as the unique one. God's chosen one. They come not believing. The way they come not believing is at the end of verse 8, they stumble because they disobey 
the message. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's good news for us today. There is good news for us. And that good news is that all of us have been born into a world that is broken. And all of us have been born into a world that is separated from God because of this thing called sin. Sin is any time either intentionally we go against the ways of God or unintentionally we just mess up. God's high standard is perfection. He is holy and he demands perfection. And that is bad news because all of us, the Bible says, have fallen short of God's standard of perfection. We have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. But God, the good news is this. God has sent his son, Jesus, the cornerstone, to be the one to be perfect for us. And this is why he is the chosen, tested precious cornerstone. He is the most valuable. He has been tested, found without sin. He has done all things perfectly according to the laws and the ways of God. We needed someone to be perfect for us, and the good news is Jesus is the one who is perfect for us. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion by eating a piece of bread and drinking a small amount of grape juice a reminder of the body, the bread of Jesus, and the blood of Christ. We sang about the blood of Jesus quite a bit today. What washes us white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What cleanses our sin? Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so the good news of believing the message is coming in faith and saying, Jesus, we believe, we repent of our sins, which means we turn our our back on the ways that we used to live, And we believe wholeheartedly that you, Jesus, are the chosen, tested, precious Son of God, the cornerstone, that your death and your resurrection counts for me. You paid my price. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, and the Bible says we will be saved. The work of Jesus will count for us. Not believing is disobeying that message. Is saying, I don't believe that. I will not receive that. I will not receive Jesus as the one who stands for me before God. Leah read this morning, we have a great high priest and we enter the presence of God, not on our own merit, not on our own works that hopefully are going to outweigh the bad. It's none of that. It's we enter through Jesus. We enter through Jesus. Not believing, disobeying the message. And when this happens, when we disobey the message, when we do not believe the ways of God, instead of being one that we build our lives upon, verse eight tells us he becomes a stone that causes us to stumble and a rock that makes us fall. There is suffering and pain in this life by rejecting, by not believing, by stumbling, by falling, but there is eternal suffering and separation from God for eternity. Friends, I... I hope today that the way that we choose to come is not that way. Both individually 
and as a church family. But that instead we would choose to come trusting, believing, beholding how precious he is, and obeying him. Peter says that there are those who are going to see him. Verse 7, now to you who believe, this stone is precious. There are those who are going to see him and hear of him and believe that he is God's tested, chosen, precious cornerstone. There will be church families who will say, we believe that Jesus is God's tested, chosen, precious cornerstone. And this belief will lead them to say, because he is precious to God, he will be the most precious thing to me and to us. He will be the most valuable thing in my life. He will be the most valuable thing to us as a church family. He will be the most precious thing that we have. We will not build our lives on anything other than the most precious thing, and that is Jesus. That's our choice. We see him and we believe, and we determine that we will behold his preciousness, that we will build upon him because we trust him, because we believe that his ways are good. We believe that he is good. And all other things become secondary to building our lives upon Jesus. He is the chosen, tested, precious cornerstone that the church is built on. And because the church is built on that, we are invited in. Verse five, we're gonna talk about this next week. Verse five talks about us as living stones. Those who individually believe this are living stones built upon the living stone. We'll talk more about that next week. But we build our lives and we orient ourselves, not in a crumbled mess, but we orient and we build our lives on the one who is the chief cornerstone, the one who is tested, chosen, pure, perfect in all of his ways. We build our lives on Jesus. Story is told of back in the days of the Old West when it was being settled. There were a lot of pioneers who made their way on the Oregon Trail. When they got to the eastern slope of the Rocky Mountains, they found, this one family found a stream that was a little bit too wide to be able to cross in one step. So they did a little two-step. And they used this ugly lump that was sticking out of the middle of the water of that stream. It was convenient. They could two-step it across instead of one-step it across. And this ugly lump became this thing to be able to get to the other side. As years passed, other pioneers came, came through and they settled in that area and they built cabins and they strung fences and they plowed the fields. And one man, he built his cabin near that same stream. But this man had a problem because his door flapped in the wind. So to solve this problem, he found this heavy lump down in the stream 
and he got it and he carried it to his front step and made it a doorstop. Now, years pass. Railroads are built across the nation. More people push west and modern cities begin to spring up and a nephew of the old pioneer went to study geology. And at this large university, he learned all about rocks and all about the precious metals all throughout. And he came and he returned and he came and had this vacation at this house, this cabin. And lo and behold, on the front porch of his uncle's cabin, by the stream, he finds not just an ugly lump, not just a heavy lump, but a lump of pure gold which became the largest gold nugget ever to be discovered on the eastern slopes of the Rocky Mountains. It had been there for generations. But everybody saw it in a different light. Some as an ugly lump, some as a heavy lump, but only the nephew who knew what it really was saw it for what it really was, a lump of gold. Friends, the same thing is true of Jesus, isn't it? Some may see him as just an ugly lump or a heavy lump, but he is the chosen, tested, precious cornerstone that God has made the foundation of the church. And that God has made the foundation for everyone who wants relationship with him. What we do with Jesus is critically important. Not because we just decided Jesus is kind of cool. But because God has said, this is my chosen, my tested, my precious cornerstone that I will save the world through and I will build my church upon. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. We lift him up together. We exalt him together. We sang this morning at the beginning, so we lift you high. This is why we lift him high. Because it's his blood. He is the one who has paid for our sin. And he is the one that we orient our lives around and build our lives and our church around. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Could we just say his name together? The name of the cornerstone, could we just say his name together? Jesus. Say it again with me. Jesus. Jesus. There is no other name. There is no other name salvation is found. There is no other one that we build our lives upon and our church upon but Jesus. Jesus, we do honor you. We honor you as the chosen, tested, precious cornerstone of your church and of our lives. It is our joy to honor you. It is our joy to obey you. It is our joy to trust you. It is our joy to behold you in increasing ways of just how precious you are. In you is life, and life abundant, here and for all of eternity. And we choose to find that in you.
Father, may this day, if we haven't already, may it be the day that we choose to come to Jesus in this way. And if we have, may it be a time where we reaffirm that yes, Jesus, we build our lives upon you. Individually, as families, as a church family, we build our lives upon you. We orient ourselves to your ways, to your purposes. We love you. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, the name that is greater than all other names. Amen.